Critical Blast, where pop culture gets blasted. This is the Critical Blast live stream with Jim Ballant and Holly Golightly. We are glad to have you guys with us today. Uh, well, I thank you. You have a momentous event coming up next month. It's not many people who celebrate 19 years, but... Ah. And you know what? It's 19 years ago, I was writing for a website called thecomicstore.com and I doing interviews with, uh, what's that? I remember that website. Yeah, I'll never forget it uh, for other reasons. Uh, but um, I was interviewing you, Jim, uh, with a cassette player and a microphone suction cup that went to the back of the spiral bound. Oh, yeah, the dinosaurs were real loud outside and it was hard to hear. Uh, <laughs> and the whole thing went for like 30 minutes and didn't record. And I had to call you back and take real quick notes on everything again. Oh, so wow. I don't have that problem now. Uh, now we just drop signal. Now we just drop signal, yes. We, ha we have a higher level of technical incompetencies to overcome. But I was thinking of that, I was like, God, it was 19 years ago and I was still doing this. <laughs> and uh, Broadsword was just stepping out. So first of all, one of the things I want to tell the, the viewers who are here, um, we set up last week to make sure that we had all the technical stuff out of the way. And you guys are such a positive energy couple. I could tell that right away. And, I, and I'm getting that again today. What's it like working together as a couple uh, in comic books? And I'm assuming you're a couple because you guys work together. I haven't researched anything. <laughs> yes, it's part of our contract. Uh, we, we have to be a couple. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, when we met each other, we, we had both the same work ethic. And uh, we just, um, you know, we, we gelled in, in that method first uh, where uh, we both loved to draw. Uh, we were working with different companies at the time. And then, as you say, 19 years ago, when the time came to start the company, uh, we're both sort of workaholics and we do everything ourselves. So we decided instead of going to another company to sort of publish tarot or, or any of the other titles, School Bites, we said, well, why don't we do it ourselves? Because we know it's going to be us who's going to stay up till three o'clock in the morning to get things right or it'll be us that uh, wants to take a week off to, to go to Florida, or it's always, it comes down to us. So it's like, well, let's make the money to keep our lights on instead of uh, another company's lights on. And, uh, you know, Holly and I, we, we both agreed that if, if we made three cents, then we know it was all us. If we made $3 million, then we know it was all us. Uh, I, I, I spent, we both spent times in, in bigger companies in which we loved working in that format, but there was always a, a childhood dream that I had, and I'm sure Holly did too, that, you know, we wanted to start something on our own and our own characters. So, uh, I think it was, you know, that sort of combination, uh, that sort of, you know, brought us together and has kept us together. As it, as you, were, you were kind of the pioneer in that aspect as well. I mean, independent comics have always been around uh, as long as there's been a comic industry, but usually the independent stuff was the, I really want to break into the big two someday and I'm going to start showing my stuff. And you kind of reversed that and said, 
yeah, I'm a known name in the big two. I'm doing you know a, a big series at DC. I've got covers on Catwoman. Holly, you were doing stuff at Archie and Disney. I want to say Disney, right? No, no, no Disney. You were doing. I did one story for the Disney Digest like years and years ago. That that was it. But I was mainly working at Archie. Okay, but still big name companies. Uh, one would assume reasonably large paychecks. Uh, as far as comic book people go, and decided that we're going to get out of that and go into ourselves. Was there more to that than just, hey, we want to make all the money for ourselves if we off our labors? Or, yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to say the the main reason to do this is for money. Yeah, the money is there and it's great. Uh, the main reason we do it is because we like doing it, uh, and and. I did come from a independent background I, before DC comics. I was working for the smaller companies and I think uh, California, like Malibu comics. Uh, and, and then from there became, I worked my way up into DC and then from DC, you know, started broadsword. So yeah, the main reason we do this is because we love to draw and to create. Uh, and, and they always say, you know, do what you love and, and the money will follow. And, and, and so far, you know, it has because of the, our, our readership. And then, you know, those are the guys that uh, have made us stay here for 19 years. Uh, not only because we love doing what we do, but because our, our readers enjoy our work as well. Now, you also, when you stepped out to do this, you were really on your own. I mean, it's like, here's our resources and we're going to publish. Today, you see so many creators all the time now stepping out and saying, well, I'm going to do my own independent thing, but I have the advantage of crowdfunding with uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. How did you guys get financed for that? I mean, did you just save up on your own and do it? Or did you have some backers that would come in and assist with that? You're talking about 19 years ago? Yeah, you're talking about, yeah, the year 2000. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in the, in the year 2000, no, we, we took no money. We, we never did. We don't do it today. Uh, it's just something we love. And one of the reasons we're still here today is because when we put out a book or a product or a statue, uh, what we do is we make sure that we can finance it on our own. Uh, so that's why all our bills are paid. Uh, at the end of every month, we, we have uh, no debt, and that's just the way we. Looks <laughs> like somebody is interrupting you. I'm having side conversations here. I left the pool area because people were going to swim, and now they're going to vacuum. <laughs> well, vacuum's important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I don't want anyone to lose their job. Okay, you sh should be doing that for five minutes, but. Um, we could talk louder. Yeah. We can talk louder. And and if I had a way to mute my microphone while you did that, and I can do that probably. I can mute myself. Yes, I can mute myself. So when you guys talk, I will mute myself. And that way we won't have the uh, vacuum cleaner taking over the sound and driving the mic. Yeah, this is professional podcasting, people. This is things you need to know. Maybe if it's raining outside, there must be a tree you could stand under. Glad <laughs> <laughs> you get hit by lightning. <laughs> that would be that would be my luck, most assuredly. Um, you do make umbrellas. So, so let's talk about going into uh, broadsword because you had 
obviously Tarot is your flagship character, but when Broadsword came out, you also had at least one other book that I remember because I was reading Three Little Kittens. Um, and I don't know if that's still being published because I'm not seeing any solicitations for it. I'm only seeing solicitations for Tarot. Uh, is that really the focus right now is uh, we're going to do this one book and we're going to do it well uh, and maybe someday get back into uh, adding other things? Well, I'm yeah. Do it now. yeah, yes and no. Uh, the, the question is, yeah, it is uh, the Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose is our bi-monthly book that has been on time for the past 19 years and we're really proud of that because we know of no other company that's doing that well we know that the big two can't really say that uh, they have many deadlines and sometimes they have to move theirs but because it's just holly and i uh we sort of make it get done uh you speak of the three little kittens uh yes uh at one point i think it was in year two or three maybe i we decided to put out a second title and it was a little bit too much on us to do a, a monthly book. Uh, and that was another thing. One of, the, one of the other rules that we had when we brought Broadsword together was, one, you know, we, we wanted to be the company that was run by the artists. We didn't want to be the publishers hiring other artists. We wanted to be the artists who published their own work. So that's why you, you really ne never see us hiring out other artists or writers to put out tarot while we do another title. Uh, when I started Broadsword, I said I have three ideas I wanted to do. And tarot was one of those three. And I, I kept with it. Uh, I also think that you know we do this because we have a, a loyalty to, to our readers who have followed us for the past 19 years. So we're not one of these companies that we're going to relaunch every two or three months with a new number one. I, I grew up in the age where you bought, say, Spider-Man 100, then uh, that's where you entered Spider-Man 100. I, I didn't walk around going, well, I'm not going to pick up Spider-Man 100 because I didn't read Spider-Man 1 or 15. Uh, I'm from the age where you, you picked up a book because you loved the character and you continue so that's why we're on issue 114 pretty soon it'll be 115 next month uh so i also knew i didn't want to flood the market with too many broadsword titles because i've seen in the past other companies try to do that and they failed within the, in that year uh once again they have a stable of artists and writers to draw from we didn't, I didn't want that. It's just Holly and myself. And when Holly wanted to launch School Bites, we did that. Uh, when I wanted to do a side project, uh, which was the Three Little Kittens, we did that. But mainly it is Tara Witch of the Black Rose that is our flagship. I couldn't read that question. There was a question. Yes, oh. I, I got you covered here. Um, this is from Death Taxes and Bad Comics. It says, Jim, I love your Catwoman series, but do you feel like you would be allowed to draw Catwoman that way if you worked for the larger companies with the politics of today? And you know that addresses something that everybody knows about Jim Ballant is he's got a certain style that he likes to draw with. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it does seem to be something that people are discussing today is, um, you know, when people say they don't like the mainstream comics or people say, hey, this has changed or that's changed, um, the comment comes back, says, oh, you're missing your boobs. 
Is that the question? They're right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is the question. He wonders if you could, if you would be able to draw Catwoman the way you drew her then, uh, with the way the politics are within the industry today, I guess. Well, um, there was politics even back in uh, 1993 when I started. Uh, maybe there was more freedom. I, I don't know. I, I'm not with uh, DC now. I have worked with them recently doing variant covers, which is always wonderful. But I know that the companies have grown. They've moved. I used to go to New York City. Now they're in California. So, you know, the office politics, they have their own rules and and what they have to follow. And sometimes, you know, it, it gets passed down to the artists and the writer. Uh, to tell you the truth, I, I don't know uh, if they would tell me to draw differently. Um, I, I think, you know, in a strange way, it, it's, it's kind of an insult to say, you know, draw a woman this way or not this way because, you know, it, it, you're insulting a bunch of people who may look that way, either through you know science or through nature. So uh, to me, I, I always pictured Catwoman, and in all of my uh, my uh, girls that uh, women that I draw, uh, they're they're very sexy and they're very dangerous because that's how I, I view these these strong female characters. So yeah, to tell you the truth, I, I don't know until uh, you know that day comes. Uh, there could be a model sheet that gets handed down. I know when I worked on uh, Catwoman in the past, if we had to say draw, you know, Asriel, uh, we would get a model sheet of what the armor looks like. So you'd have to sort of stick to that. Uh, so it all it all depends on your editors on, on how free they want to allow the writers or or the artists or the creative team to to do their style. Uh, you know, Kelly Jones is, a, is an awesome artist, and he was allowed to draw Batman in his style, which is wonderful. You know, he has those, you know, three-foot-long ears on Batman, and, and uh, you know, Graham Nolan has his style, and, and I had my style of Batman and Catwoman. So uh, I would hope that there's a lot of freedom uh, now. Uh, like I said, when I was working on uh, the Batman-Catwoman wedding cover, uh, I was given model sheets of like how the Catwoman dress uh, looks, and you know, obviously, it has to be the short hair. It can't be the purple Catwoman that I designed. So, you know, working for a company, um, there, there's always a give and take. And hopefully, as an artist and as a writer, um, working with these companies and editors, you, you find a a peaceful ground where everybody's happy. Okay, I'm unmuting to ask the next question. And yes, there's noise in the background now. Uh, so I hope, can you hear me? Yes, not yes or no. Okay, great. Um, let's talk a little bit about tarot and exactly what that world is for people who are tuning in who have not read a tarot book. Uh, specifically, uh, and, and Holly, maybe you can even address this because I know you post a lot of mysticism pictures. I don't know if I'm using the right word. I don't want to say magic with a K or witchery or whatever it is. Uh, but, but, but specifically, what do you bring to the tarot world as far as a background and a knowledge base goes? And I will unmute. I just follow the book and I do the lettering, basically. It's Jim's book. Yeah, um, it's, I draw it, I created it, uh, I write it. Uh, Holly does an incredible job in 
in coloring it, uh, doing the production, uh, the lettering. Uh, the the book is is based on a lot of the events that uh, I've experienced, or or my friends have experienced, or Holly has experienced. Uh, but yeah, to, to us, uh, you know, Tara's a real person. So Holly and I would sit around and and sometimes talk about uh, how Tara would feel. But it, it definitely starts with me. I know a lot of people think, uh, uh, you know, I only draw the book, and then Holly writes it because you know the character has like red hair. <laughs> and, yeah, if I wrote it, everyone would be having cupcakes and hot chocolate, and no one would get hurt. Just so you know, that's a clue. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Tara, Witch of the Black Rose, for those who haven't uh, picked up the book, it's sort of a modern day sword and sorcery book. If if you want to boil it down to that. Uh, it's about a, a female witch who is charged with keeping the balance between man and magic uh, from the goddess herself. And uh, she has a, a sister who sort of follows a darker path. So you, and I don't want to say white or dark magic because uh, to me they're, they're almost the same depending on how you use it. Uh, you know, this pen is not evil. Or, or good, it depends on how I use it. So that's it how stabs I stab someone in the eye. Yeah, that's how I view magic. <laughs> so, but uh, Raven Hex does uh, follow a more darker path than Tarot. Uh, and then we have also the uh, Graveyard Guardian, which is the skeleton man named John Webb. He works in a cemetery, which I used to work in a cemetery. That's how I worked my way through art school. Um, so, as you see, all these characters relate to people we know or people we've met on the road. And, and we have drawn and colored people into the storyline uh, of some of our readers. So that's another sort of perk when it comes to owning your own business, that if, if you have like a really great friend or a fun reader who would love to see him or her in the book, you know, we usually draw that in and it's just something else that's really cool. And if you want to know what I also put in there as a colorist and as a witch, I sometimes use a little color magic in there. So certain choices that I make are on purpose, certain textures. I do try to bring in the energy of nature. I do really, really enjoy coloring, you know, the fairy realm and um, the more organic stuff, even though I grew up in Manhattan, I, I just love doing all of the, the you know the witchy nature you know i love monsters too even though i can't draw a really scary one i love coloring them and uh very proud of uh blood splatter in our horror topic issues at times um it's a lot of fun so yeah and there's a lot of stories that deal with uh magic it also deals with uh morals uh, so I always thought this book will entertain and educate at the same time. So people who are into uh, magic and, 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 and the craft will see things very familiar in the book. Mm -hmm. Those who are not, they will enjoy just a great adventure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, that's an interesting phrase that you used there a second ago, Holly, color magic. Can you go into a little bit of what that, what that means? Um, well... In the craft, there are a lot of different ways of, of creating magic. And there's not one way, but there is a way that I learned 
Um, I'm basically a solitary practitioner. I started very early in life. I was drawn to it um, through just probably started in movies or story books and what whatnot. And then uh, at the age of eight, I discovered my first tarot deck and started reading. Um, along the way, I started learning other forms of creating magic, and one of them being color. And I always, I'm a Virgo, so I like to to look at it scientifically. It's a little bit, a little like you know, Vulcany about being a Virgo, and and mathematically. So there's also emotional connections to colors, and so wrapping that up with magic, choosing certain colors to evoke an emotion. Um, because really magic is just another word for, you know, um, action, uh, using your imagination, using your energy to evoke, um, a response or, um, a state of being. So in the, the path that I follow, what I learned are certain colors equal certain energies. And let's say you want something very dynamic. You make sure there's like reds or you want to cool something off, blues. And sometimes Jim will say, well, this character is doing this. And I'll think, ooh, she should wear green because that's a good color for healing or love or something like that. Um, she's doing high magic purple, you know? So I think about those things when I choose colors. I think it was uh, Neil Gaiman who wrote in one of his books that science is a way of describing the universe in words we can understand and magic is a way of speaking to the universe in words that it cannot ignore. Uh, so there's a very, very interesting parallel in storytelling with science and magic. Uh, for instance, we, we talk a little bit about tarot and Raven Hex and Raven Hex follows a darker path if not, you know, not saying black magic and, you know, addressing the lady in the Star Wars shirt we have the force, which has the dark side and the light side. You know, it's like duct tape that holds the universe together and it has the dark side and the light side. Right. Um, Yin yang. Exactly. So I don't know where I was going with that, except that it, it seems like cool. it just depends on how you want to describe what you're talking about, whether you want to be writing a science fiction story or a magic story. You're really talking about the same elements all the time, just in a different way of defining them. Well, I mean, I'm both into science fiction and fantasy quite equally. And um, I know they're going to start making the Artemis movies. Um, have you heard about those books? Artemis Fowl, where they marry fantasy and science. And there's a fairy named Holly. So I'm very excited. <laughs> and I, I just love that. And, you know, in the history of man, there's like so much we considered magic that is now science now, you know? And um, so, and I'm a big Douglas Adams fan. So I, I really don't, you know, I think about Slotty Bart fast where you could really knock yourself out thinking about the answers to life, the universe, and everything, but it doesn't make you any happier. So, you know, <laughs> rather light a nice candle. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to take a moment here to uh, going to take a moment here to shill for all everybody listening who can tell. If there's you know noises going on in the background. Uh, Critical Blast is currently operating out of a hotel, and we need to get out of this hotel. So we have several different options where people might be able to help us do that and get 
back into an established place. Uh, one is we have our anthology Gods and Services, which is available now on Amazon. This is a uh, science fiction fantasy, more fantasy actually, no science fiction, this one, uh, anthology of the old curiosity shop that appears where no shop was and disappears when you try to go back to it, where old, disused, and out-of-service gods sell their services. And you buy something and you find a god attached to you after that, and he is or she is bound to help make your life better, uh, whether you want it that way or not. So we have some great writers in there. We have David J. Peterson from the Angst series. We have Ira Bloom, who did Hearts and Other Body Parts for Scholastic. Um, and we have John De La Rose, who's a science fiction writer in his own right. Plus, we have a bunch of new voices from around the world. So it's a very good mix. Uh, we're really proud of the series. You can get it on paperback or in Kindle. And we're happy if you buy either one of those. If you're not a reader, uh, we have our Tee Public store, which is also linked in our description. And of course, since we're falling short on our goal to get out of here by the end of March, which is not so much a goal as it is a deadline um, where we have to be somewhere, whether we have a place to be or not, uh, we have a GoFundMe that has now been started. We would appreciate anybody who could help out with there. If you don't want to buy the, the cheap book or the uh, cheap T-shirt, uh, go to the GoFundMe and be even cheaper. We're happy either way. Getting back to our guests, Jim Ballin and Holly Golightly with Broadsword Comics, talking about Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose. Um, I had down here notes on Raven Hex because she's going through an arc right now in her life uh, that is personality changing and tragic at the same time. Now, I, I not figured out yet because I, I was reading like a long time ago when we saw Raven Hex and then there was this big gap in the middle where I was like, you know, um, children and comics books are things that I have to make a priority which one I'm going to pay for first uh, <laughs> back to the uh, comic work, book world, and I'm seeing Raven Hex is working with Tarot. So is she a good girl, a bad girl, a good bad girl? What's going on with Raven Hex in her life these days? Well, uh, all the characters aren't as black and white as, as good and evil. Uh, I think that's what makes uh, any good character interesting. Uh, even in ourselves, we're not all good, we're not all evil, otherwise we'd be pretty boring. Uh, so Yes, uh, Raven Hex is going through some things that uh, you know many people today are, are going through, uh, without giving away any parts of the stories. Uh, but she is sort of dealing with this situation the only way she knows how. Uh, her heart has been uh, closed off for a long time. Uh, it, it started with uh, the death of her father back when she was uh, a teenager. So uh, that hardened her towards mankind or to let anyone into her heart. Uh, where Tara, on the other hand, she took the tragedy of losing her father the same way, but she wants to uh, bring a balance and, and unite people together. But this particular storyline of the Dragon Prince, who basically is asking uh, Raven to, to marry him and to give her this wonderful life, and this storyline is about what happens when a love comes into your, your life and you have this sort of defensive wall up. Uh, sure, defensive walls can protect you, but it also prevents you from loving and, and from seeing something right in front of you. So this is sort of a moral tale that I always sort of wrap up into all my stories and then throw a, a fantasy twist onto it. Um, that Raven Hex is going through, and it actually sort of uh, 
come, comes to a head in this issue of 114. So once again, without sort of spoiling anything, uh, you know, Raven Hex has evolved since say issue one or two of Tara, Witch of the Black Rose. Early on, I was told that my series wouldn't last past issue three. Well, that's a really scary thing to hear when you're jumping into the ocean of self-publishing and then you have the so-called people in the know saying, oh, Jim, you know, it's not going to last. So, you know, you're, you're biting your fingernails. And here we are 19 years later, never missed an issue. Um, it's still going strong, thanks to our readers. And um, that's when I knew I, I had to sort of branch out and make these characters more rounded as opposed to just like a four issue mini arc. Uh, so these are really how the characters were developed, uh, were created in my mind. Uh, same thing with, uh, you know, Boo Cat, uh, John Webb, uh, the, all, all of the other supporting characters. So yeah, there is uh, similarities to what's happening to Raven as it, similar to what people are going through nowadays. Visit criticalblast.com where we blast pop culture on a daily basis. At criticalblast.com, we speak geek. So surf on over and check out reviews on the latest movies, television shows, music, books, graphic novels, games, toys, professional wrestling, cosplay, even interviews with industry pros and promotional giveaways. If it's entertainment, we have something to say about it. Critical Blast. Where pop culture gets blasted. Now, one of the things uh, I, I can imagine it has to be really scary trying to have a long-lasting book, especially when it is a mature reader's book, because you, you've narrowed down your market so much at that, although you did narrow it down to people with the money, so that's good. Um, but, you know, what I'm seeing in the storytelling that is so different from everything else that's on the market today is that you have long-running arcs told in single-story issues. And what I mean by that is I pick up the Halloween issue and there is a single story beginning end this battle, even though there's stuff going on underneath of it that's always continuing. I pick up the Christmas issue and it's start of a story, end of a story. And that's something that I think comic books in general has lost its way on because in the 70s and 80s, you know, when I was a kid reading comic books, I didn't have to say, you know, sometimes I had to get the next issue, but I didn't have to have a whole year's worth to tell what the hell was going on in this story. Right. Yeah, that's exactly um, how I, I, I want to tell these stories and, and produce it. Um, I also want to go back to what you said about, uh, you know, cutting our, our audience by making it a mature reader's label. Um, I... When I came up with Tarot, I knew that I wanted nudity in the book. I knew I, I wanted more of a mature storyline. Not so much as the blood and gore, that's it's not me. It's cool for other books, but I knew with Tarot, I wanted to be very sensual. And I also wanted uh, nudity or, or sky clad. Um, so I, I didn't sit down and say, well, I'll make X amount of dollars if I put clothes on her. Uh, or I'll lose X amount of dollars if uh, she's nude or topless. Uh, I wanted this to be a creation. As you know, I, I told Holly, I said, if, if we lose 
like millions of dollars, then we, you know, we lost millions of dollars, but we put out something that uh, we, we liked. And it's, it's, I didn't want to water down the book. And we, we both agreed on that too. Uh, but going back to your story art uh, question, yeah, some stories are maybe, I don't think it's ever a year long, maybe six months or, or you know, four or five issues at best. Uh, but then I sometimes I just love picking up an issue and it's one story, whether it's the Krampus story or the Halloween story. And yeah, it leads into maybe the next issue. But I also wanted that reader who comes to your table or to your booth and say, hey, I have never picked up Tara Witch of the Black Rose. You know, comic books are $3 now. Uh, don't tell me to buy 12 issues for a story. Um, I want one issue. And we have several issues that we go, oh, here, pick up the Krampus, pick up the Halloween issue, or pick, pick up the Haunted Hairball issue, because they're not all heavy. A lot of them are just fun, uh, fun reads. A lot of them are even, I even changed the art form where it's more Disney looking style, more cartoony as opposed to realistic. So that makes it fresh for me drawing it and writing it and fresh for the reader. But it's, it's nothing that I sit around and plan because that makes it sound so sterile. It's, it's something that you know comes from my heart, comes from Holly's heart when we put out a book. So uh, we do what we like. Uh, the audience usually finds us uh, because I always said if if you hated drawing something like if 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 you if you were hired to draw uh, like oranges or fruit and you made a living doing that but you hated it I mean that's to me that's a waste of a life uh, you know draw what you like uh, build your audience hopefully your audience will love that and, and continue on because. Uh, you know, why draw something you hate? Because you'll find an audience that loves the way you draw fruit or oranges. And then you're like kind of stuck drawing oranges for the rest of your life. And you do still do uh, commissioned artwork, I believe. I've seen um, pieces where you can buy them on the web. Both you and Holly are doing them. Can you tell people where they can find that artwork and peruse what you're putting out there? Well, why don't you, uh, why don't you talk about Sparta web art? Sure. Um, uh, because of so much work that I have to do to uh, have tarot produced uh, bi-monthly. And also I take care of our website and our store. And, you know, I, I built a lot of that and I do the shipping and stuff. It was difficult for me to do um, uh, my own title as well. So uh, I got very lucky and I was invited uh, to be a artist at the Spiderweb Gallery, which is um, owned by um, Jean and Greg Hildenbrandt. Uh, know those names? Yes. And what's crazy is that uh, um, I grew up where I wasn't allowed to put posters on my wall because my mom was like really, really like into decorating, and my my room was like pristine. A uh, white couch and all this like fancy stuff, and I just wanted to put a Star Wars poster up so bad. And she said, "Okay, you could put it up, but it had to be in my bathroom on the back of the door, so no one could see it. But I could when I was in the bathroom. So that was the first poster I was allowed to put up was my Greg Hildenbrandt poster. And now, like, I'm in their gallery, so I do sometimes weep in a corner because I can't believe it." But I'm doing paintings for them. Um, I've done um, a series of um, 
Disney princess paintings, uh, Disney couples. I did some portraits. I did um, commissions through them all the time. Um, pretty much pop culture, Star Wars. I have different styles. I can do everything from chibi all the way to realistic. I started a new fairy, um, um, port not fairy portraits, but like a collection. A collection of, of different fairies. Um, some of them will look like me. I'm working on. Um, I've done Jareth from Labyrinth. Uh, gosh, it's all up there in. Uh, their gallery on Spiderweb Art Gallery. Um, and I have links on my Facebook all the time, Holly Witch. And um, I also have the website, schoolbites.net. Schoolbites was, well, it still is my manga. Um, so that's there. And um, when Jim does commissions, um, it's usually when we're running a Kickstarter. We do do Kickstarters for unique items. Like we just created an Oracle deck, um, which is actually a mate to a divination deck that we had done two years ago. And by request, everyone wanted more cards. So we, we rolled that out and it's, it's more of an event. You know, we're, we're doing these projects that are a little bit different from the comic and, but it's what people want. So that's when the door opens for Jim to do five commissions um, and they're gorgeous. And uh, what else are you doing? Well, uh, sometimes uh, at, at night, if I have some time left over, I like to sort of sketch uh, either Catwoman or, or another figure, but mostly it's Catwoman, um, either with a, a tiger or a lion. And currently I just finished a drawing of a Catwoman with a snow leopard. and how that all started was basically uh, on an airplane where, you know, flying five hours to San Diego Comic-Con, I'm sort of a guy that needs to do something. So uh, I bring a large sketch pad and start drawing sketches, quick sketches, not quick sketches, but sketches that last like five hours or three hours, and then, uh, you know, offer them at, at the booth. And I would get lots of letters saying, well, we can't, make it to San Diego or any con you're appearing at uh, because we, we really don't appear at many cons mainly because of our publishing schedule and we don't hire people to do our job so we have to say no to you know places in Europe or places in the United States or Mexico and Canada so we would get letters saying where can I purchase these these drawings so what I've been doing lately is when I had some time after dinner I, I would sketch these Catwoman drawings or, or other drawings. And then once I'm finished, uh, I give them to Holly and then she finds a forever home for them. And you do like live um, Yeah, sketching. like last night I, I went live and I just sort of, I like just talking to the people, just like what we're doing now of, uh, you know, just this is how I, I do the sketch, you know, with these three pencils and and but we really talk about sketches. We either talk about you know whatever the the viewer is uh, wanting to talk about that day. Uh, but I just think it's it's cool to sort of connect with with the readers because that's the main reason we go out on the road is to, is to meet the readers because they have incredible stories. I'm always amazed on who's picking up our book. Uh, we just came back from Edinburgh, Scotland. 
Our book was there. Tarot Witch of the Black Rose was there. And it was great to meet readers there. And it just blows me away that something that I could draw in my studio in Pennsylvania ends up in Scotland and somebody knows the stories. So uh, that's basically almost our life, really. <laughs> that's very cool. Now, getting to a couple of the uh, comments here coming in on the chat line. And I remember you did, uh, did tweet last night that you were doing the live streaming. And I replied back to the tweet. Where's the link? Because the tweet went out without a link for anybody to follow. So somebody here is asking, uh, do do Jim and Holly have a YouTube channel where we can watch these uh, drawings happen live? Um, the drawings happen on our Facebooks. So it's Jim Ballant Facebook, and my Facebook is, is Holly Witch. We do have a, a, a YouTube channel. It's under my Cherry Creeper name. And um, I, I remember the first... I was making videos for our comics. I think the first one was issue 54 because I love playing with technology. I love making videos and stuff. It's making like little uh, music videos and they're all up on our YouTube. And they're fun to watch because if you're wondering about issues gone by, you could, you know, put on an old, like I grew up an MTV teenager, you know, put on an old. Back when they played music. That's right. So check them out. They're a lot of fun. Um, but we do our, our live on Facebook mainly. Uh, and I don't know if it's being copied onto YouTube. I don't think so. I'm thinking. Yeah. And it's, it's really, to me, it's nothing to save. It's just sort of in the moment, uh, the sketches that I do, the talking with the people, um, because it, it's not a how to, it, it's just more of like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Cause a lot of people ask me, Jim, what are you doing today? And it's like, most of the time the answer is drawing. <laughs> you yeah. know, I do draw 10 to 12 hours a day and you go to sleep and start the next cycle. Uh, so it, it's sort of like a, a little a little peek into what I'm doing. Um, so I, I don't think it's worth saving, but it's worth connecting. And, and you mentioned a link. Usually in the header, I would say uh, going live at 5.30 and then, at 5.30 will come up and I'll say drawing or sketching Catwoman with the leopard. Uh, if you want to give this a forever home, uh, here's the link. And then people will write to that link saying, you know, how can I make this uh, happen? Yeah, you just look in the videos if you want to see on, on Facebook. I saw one of the questions about um, crowdfunding. Ooh. Oh, okay. I uh, saw so one of the questions on, on crowdfunding um, and asking how that influences our, our, our publishing schedule. And I, I could just quickly say, sure. not at all, <laughs> because um, that's not how we run our company. Our company is not crowdfunded. We will think of a unique um, project, like a card set or a game or just something unusual. Yeah. And then we'll make an event and people can like gather and crowd <laughs> and they all share in like the special stuff that'll happen because the more people who join, the packages do grow, you know, and a little extra shows up in there. We can make a little more here or we could expand that idea a little better to doing this or doing that. So if anything, uh, we try to work that into our production schedule because the production schedule goes forth no matter what, you know? 
Yeah, and when Holly says no matter what, for 19 years it was no matter what. It we've hit our deadlines, uh, you know, in spite of incredible odds. Uh, we've had we both had deaths in our family. Uh, we've we've had power outages due to a hurricane coming through and knocking out our town for seven to eight days, yeah. where we literally took all of our equipment every day and set up in a hotel room, did our coloring, did our drawing, did our did all the production, and then every night tear down the studio, bring it back to the ho to our home. Yes and sleep here and then the next day I bet. do it do it again because you know we we know the sacrifices we, we know the loyalty of the readers who expect us to uh have an issue every two months and and we've done so so uh we even scheduled surgery around it. <laughs> we scheduled surgeries around it uh, so yeah, we, we do that. And with the, going back to the Kickstarters, the way I always viewed the Kickstarter was like, say you have your favorite band and they're putting out their new album and like, yeah, you could buy the new album in the local stores. If that's what you want, that's cool. But if you're like this, like really Uber, like fan of this band and you understand that, oh, well, if I join the Kickstarter, I'll get like extras, like right. maybe an autograph CD or a poster or a pick. And that's how I viewed all of our Kickstarters. It's like, yeah, you know, people who just, you know, want the book, uh, like for example, issue 100, it was in all the stores, but we also did a specialty issue where there was more pages, uh, more uh, content. Uh, perfect bound. Perfect bound. Uh, and then, you know, all the goodies that come with Kickstarters. Uh, so it's like those people who were like, really into the book and they want those extras or they want the t-shirt that they can only find on a kickstarter we give that option to them as well yeah and we do a lot of uh, exclusives on our website jimbound.com we will do um there it is jimbound.com um <laughs> we'll we'll do uh skyclad editions which are not in the stores We'll do um, the rainbow chrome editions, metal editions. We'll do very small printings of reissues that have sold out on pristine um, paper stock. Um, you know, because it it that's like our our couture line in our boutique. I, I come from a fashion background. I started my first uh, business when I was twenty one. So I, I take a lot of pride of that our work is more couture, or at least that's the way I see it from my fashion brain, you know, that we're, we're taking all that time to hand sew the hem or add on all those, not that they're hands on the, don't take me literally people, uh, but you know what I mean, that, that we're putting in all of our energy into this, this, this project and and all the projects we do. So when we do a Kickstarter, it is very uh, connected to our audience and our readers. Um, not that we're disconnected with our, our bi-monthly floppy, but it, it it's just like the the Kickstarters are sometimes are like the more blinged out uh, project. So it's fun. <laughs> Since you are so focused on doing your own thing and getting your own product out there, 
do you have time to even know about other things going on in the comic industry or enough time to actually even care about them? Because we're at a time in comic books, I guess, where there's a lot of divisions going on right now and a lot of infighting and outfighting. And do you guys look at that and say, oh, gosh, I have an opinion on that or, you know what, fuck it, I'm doing broadsword right now and I don't care what they do. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, that phases us because it's we we know what the politics are like in the, in the larger companies, and that's the world they've created and they have to deal with. We've have our own thing we have to do. Uh, that doesn't mean that when an opportunity comes up and they want us to do a variant cover, uh, whether I do it for a Kiss comic book or I do for DC comic books, the the wedding Batman cover, or even for Germany. Um, you know, then I sort of dip my toe back into the mainstream. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of drama from, from what we read. Uh, so I don't know what is true and what's not true. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? I, I, I do. I do. And it, and it, I, it's very, um, it might be very fangirl. Uh, because I read comics in the 70s and, and a bit earlier too, but I think, you know, when you're a teenager or a tweenager, that's when you um, you kind of imprint, get imprinted. Sure. Uh, so my heroes, my comics were then, you know, uh, Conan and Red Sonja, Howard the Duck, Tomb of Dracula, uh, Vampirella, all those eerie comics. Those were my comics. So when I see people going boo, 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 over what's going on, I'm like, Rrr. you know, it just doesn't, it, it's just like white noise. We're so busy creating and um, making beautiful things, making interesting things, making, you know, spooky things or fun things. I, I think that's more important, you know, than making a big hoopla. You know, I, I would rather inspire someone um, than, piss them off, you know, or, or give them an oasis of happiness or fantasy. I, I, I love doing that. I have my opinion of someone, if someone's being a turd blossom, that's not cool. You know, it's just, it, there's, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm not, a, I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't like to engage in it or, or give fuel to it. Um, and I feel that all of the uh, comics, all the input that I had as a teenager, it's still alive in me. So, you know, it's very rare that I'll find something new that inspires me. Um, I find more inspiration in, in movies and animation and other things. <laughs> so. All right. Looking at some of the chat here, we have a couple of people looking forward to seeing you at conventions, but not knowing if you're ever going to go there. Uh, Paul Glover has asked if you're ever going to do any comic cons near South Carolina uh, and death taxes and bad comics is uh, out in Kansas city. would love to see you out there at planet comic con. You've already mentioned how you can't get to a lot of conventions because of your schedule, but do you have a convention schedule? Uh, right now we have a, an early version of the schedule. Uh, for example, I, I think, uh, I think we have four stops right now. Uh, the first one is going to be actually next month at a comic book store called uh, Halls of Comics up in Massachusetts. Uh, we'll be there at... Southboro? Southboro, I think, is the, 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 the town. town or the place. 
Now, is that near Salem? Excuse me? Is that near Salem, Massachusetts? Uh, an hour and a half. Yeah, I would say it's close to Salem, as opposed to if you lived in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, that it's it, it's it's so apropos. Yeah, well, uh, we've, we've done Salem signings before, which sure. have always been fun. Uh, right now, we're actually, uh, like I said, it'll be March 24th. We'll be appearing there for about three hours. Uh, we'll be putting up, you know, follow us on Facebook because that's usually where we make our announcements of our our appearances. And our website has an appearance. That's right. At the bottom, it says appearances. Just click on that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the com site. Uh, so that's our first event. Uh, the second one will be, I think, in May, which is uh, Megacon in Florida. And uh, that will be there for, I guess, the weekend of Megacon. Uh, so, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th. Right, so we'll be there for the whole time. Uh, then the third appearance will be June. June? There's one in June. What June? Is the Garden, oh, yes. State, Garden State. Yep. June is Garden State. June 30th. Uh, June 30th. We're, you know, we'll also be sort of probably next to uh, Spider Web. the Spiderweb Art Gallery. So you'll get to meet Frank Wilbrandt and Holly Golightly. So... That's cool. I'll be there too, but those two are the big draws. Uh, and then, so that's in June. And then July is, of course, San Diego Comic-Con. We've been doing that for over 20 years. Who's 1715. 1715. And then our overseas Europe show is in Vienna, Austria. And that's in November. So that's the right now, the confirmed dates. Uh, there might be others that pop up. Uh, but right now, I guess there's the five appearances. Now, when you do these conventions, do you, um, when you're not sitting at a table meeting and greeting fans because you are responsible for your own output, are you working in your hotel rooms there at night? Are you working at your table saying, I got to get this page done? Everybody can watch, but I'm working. No, no, no. If, if, if we're working in our hotel room, it's usually for whatever's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, whether I want to do a sketch, if I can't sleep, and you know, I'll do that. Uh, we, we don't go out and, and party, so uh, usually we, we, we put in the full eight hours or ten hours at the con. A lot of times we skip the meals. We, we have a, uh, a one meal a day, which is at night. It could be around nine o'clock when we finally get our dinner. Uh, and then it's usually you know to the hotel room where we meet up with friends, uh, which is funny because... Uh, we have our closest friends on the road, it seems, because that's the only time we sort of connect with people. Uh, here, we're sort of, even our neighbors uh, rarely see us here. We've lived here for over <laughs> 20 years. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we, we build in, like Holly said, we, we build in time knowing we're going to be away for this week. So we go, you know, work double shift. Yeah, we work of, on the weekends. Yeah, to get things done. Yeah, like today we're working and we made sure that we scheduled in. Uh, Critical Blast. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, we're not going to keep you much longer. We're going to diverge a little bit here just to talk about some off-the-wall topics. Um, one of them we talked about before we started, which was gaming. Uh, and I got to thinking that I have seen comic creators out there right now who are not only doing their comic books, but they are because apparently it's so much easier to do now. Uh, getting into making their characters into games, either for app games or other kinds of games. What would you think about doing, you know, if not gaming artwork 
actually having a tarot kind of game? What would you envision that as being? Uh, would you be interested in doing it? Well, well, over the years, uh, Holly's characters and mine have been approached to do games, and we started working with companies. And for some reason, either the company fizzled out, or sometimes we'd get these incredible offers. Uh, like one of my favorite uh, offer was in San Diego Con, a gentleman came by. He said he owned his own comic, or not comic book, his own uh, video game creation company. He said the same thing you did. He thinks Tara, Witch of the Black Rose would be an excellent game. And of course I said, yeah, of course it would be. I, I have several ideas. And then he would hit me with, so Jim, if you give me a million dollars, I will develop you a three-minute sizzle reel. And so that's always wonderful to hear. <laughs> that, that's the opposite of the way this whole thing is supposed to work. Well, a lot of people try that too. Well, yeah. Well, that's, that's something else that you know, people should be aware of is being creator-owned. You'll get movie deals. You'll get gaming deals. And the best thing to do is you have a lawyer, but also to sort of, you know, remember what you're giving away for whatever X amount of dollars, because nowadays it's sort of the publishing rights, it's uh, the ownership of the characters. Now, if, if that's your battle plan, if your battle plan is to create, you know, one character, four books, and done, and just sell it for a movie or for a game, good, you know, go in peace. Uh, that's not me. That's not Holly. Holly's has creations that she has been in development with in Hollywood for many years, and it would go to script writing and then collapse. Uh, so, as we know, even the Marvel characters, Spider-Man, and they've been in development for years, <laughs> you know, before it would hit, you know, the big screen. So, you know, my sort of caution note to everyone is. You know, be aware of what you give up yeah. uh, when, when you sort of sign the deal of make it a movie, make it a game. But yeah, to answer your question, sure. Uh, board games, I've, I've, I have uh, ideas for and, and video games. So, you know, a lot of times it's a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, there are certain things that we would be able to execute, but then there are certain things that we just don't have the ability, like, sure. you know, video games or, or movies or animation. You know, I brought that up as a game, but obviously I, I, I skipped over the, the elephant in the room, which would be the movie rights. Um, you know, could there be like a tarot movie and, and who could possibly play her? Well, see, everyone comes up with that. Uh, to me, Catwoman, uh, Tarot, Raven Hex, you know, it, it comes down to the attitude and the acting. Yeah, so, a talented woman. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing that is beyond reach. Uh, I, I think it's wonderful. You know, some people go, they look at the costume and they say, how is Taro going to have her horns on her head? It's like, I've seen incredible cosplayers, you know, walking Loki. around. Come yes. on. You know, so it, it's not beyond reach. I, I think, you know, once again, it's, it's sort of teaming up with the right people who want to bring your vision to the big screen. Just like, uh, you know, working with editors at DC or, or Marvel, or, or, or even with us, if, if once there's that sort of connection with a creative force, a, a writer or, or an artist, then everything is possible. Uh, so yeah, the same thing with uh, Tarot as a movie. Sure, a lot of people say, well, give me a Hollywood name. 
you know, who would be it? You know, one time people were like, it should be Angelique Jolie. You know, it should that be, yeah, it should be the, <laughs> it should be the, the, the Hendrix, the girl from Mad Men. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard all this stuff. But to me, it's like, well, first I like, you know, unknown names. Yeah, who knew Arnold Schwarzenegger before Conan? Sure, and, and so I, I just, you know, I like unknown names that's gonna bring the vision to life. And what's more important is not to isolate your core uh, readers, your fan base, where, you know, we all hate and we all have our favorite movies that you're waiting for your favorite character to come to the silver screen. And then when this character comes there, it looks totally different than any comic book you've ever seen, or the character has been totally changed just to sort of fit some sort of either PC code or to fit some editor's note. Uh, so that's important, I think, is when you, you get that chance to put out a movie, uh, make sure that the people you're working with have that same vision that not only you have, but also your readership base right. has. Because it's ridiculous to sort of cut the core out of something that you definitely need that right. support from, especially when going to a big screen production. Or, yeah, or, or, the, go ahead. I was going to say the whole nightmare of that kind of thing is that you, you sell your character to the movie producers who tell you they're going to be honest to it and true to the character. And then you go to the debut and, and Taro is a, a brunette with short hair and goth makeup in high school riding a motorcycle. That could happen. You know, and, and uh, we've seen things like that happen. You know, I don't want to mention films, but I mean, a, a lot of people love characters because of the comic book. And then when they go see this, their hero on the screen, it's totally alien to them. And they, people wonder why the, the film fails. And it's because, well, you just sort of cut out your, your, your core base, your audience. Yeah, and it's also not only the audience, but if you cut out the heart, of of the character or the project and i'll bring up a, a, a another book that i listened to was um um the the golden compass and they decided to sterilize it and they took out the religious part of it it's like that was like pretty much like what the heart was and what made it fascinating and unique and they sterilized it so you know there's reasons why things will will either do well or not do well is is if they stay true to a vision just like a lot of um movies that no one like star wars they didn't think that was going to do well so they didn't fuss with them you know they let them do their vision and, and, we love it. and speaking of star wars you've mentioned that a couple of times now you've got the shirt on you had the poster um star wars is making new movies and getting yeah yeah we're pointing at holly here on this one um what what is your opinion on the the new life of Star Wars? Uh, is it is it as good? Is it different in a good way? Is it different in a bad way? Uh, what 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 are your thoughts as a fan? Very personal for me. Okay, I will step out on this one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, you don't have to step out. Why am I flaring? <laughs> is she, she going to flail her arms oh, around no. a lot here, Mr. Uh, I'll sit on my hands. Um. Star Wars is very personal for me. I saw it when I was, I, I guess, like 13 years old when it came out in 1977, right? It was amazing. It was an epiphany moment. I love it, period. Um, when Empire Strikes Back came out, 
I nearly had a nervous breakdown. I couldn't believe how dark it was. This was not the movie. I, I mean, I had my own reactions, and every every movie put out, I'll have a reaction. I I am I'm grown up ish now, so I can deal with Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> but I love movies to begin with, and I love Star Wars. So give me the the movies. I'll watch them. You know, I don't have any idea before or comment on it before make the movie i will sit down i want to be entertained don't want to not like it so when i don't like it i am disappointed but um i really am going in there a willing audience and i'm disappointed that they're cutting back on the amount of movies that they're going to make but if they're doing that to make better choices or better movies or invest more in it I'm fine with that, but um, I do love um, Force Awakens as a like a real <laughs> diehard Star Warsian, whatever you want to call it. Um, I noticed uh, re um, uh, references to Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and um, also to other um, novels that Alan Dean Foster wrote called Orphan Star, and I thought only an obsessive Star Wars lover like JJ would have done that. And it made me feel not alone. You know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, he read those books too. So I had like major internal squeeing and probably external squeeing going on. And I loved it. And I, I it, it had that, that, uh, that optimism that New Hope had. And New Hope is my movie. That's why I have the- Awesome. The bun layer. Um, and I'm looking forward. What, what was the next one after um, Force Awakens? And then it was, what was the, the, the Last Jedi? I enjoyed it. I love gr Grumpy Luke. Again, you know, it may have not been what I expected, but I love the way that di they did it. Was it perfect? No, it was not perfect. It was a bit long. They could have edited it here and there, but I understood what they were going for, so I was patient. And, you know, there were pieces in the parts that I thought were too long that were worth, you know, watching. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Did I like Han Solo? No, I didn't like Han Solo. But <laughs> that's okay. The, the movie, the Solo movie. Yeah, yeah, I love Han Solo. Oh, of course. Who but, doesn't? Han Solo's not dead, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's not. I mean, you don't find the body, so no body, that doesn't mean he's dead. So, right. I mean, come on. As long yeah. as there's no body, there's always, they can always have a writer find a creative way to bring him back. That's right. right. Come on. All right, so getting ready to close this out here. Uh, we get some quotes in here. Uh, Wicked Twisted says, you probably get this a lot, but thank you for continuing to create a very female empowering creation from the characters to the storyline and honored to have been in one of them too. Um, Hanson Smash. Here says, personally, I'd love to see tarot D&D style minis, uh, yeah. little pewter figures, or tarot for Monster Hunter World. Uh, filthy Coffin Frankenstein, I like that. Uh, yeah. my, my life would be complete if they made a tarot of the Witch of the Black Rose movie or animation. Oh, animation's an interesting way of doing that. Something like Liquid Television did on MTV. Uh, Death Taxes and Comics is talking about Emily Ratajkowski, Can She Act?, I don't know who that is. I don't know if she could play it. And T. Wasik um, is saying an animated movie or TV series 
that is totally supervised and done directed by you guys would be wicked, which is getting some thumbs up on that one. Um, so yeah, an animated Terra Witch of the Black Rose would be awesome, I think. I would definitely tune in to watch that. And now there are so many options for something like that. You don't even have to network it. You could come up with your own streaming service and put it out on your own and be in total control. <laughs> of course. Sure. <laughs> you, got, you got time? Harry Potter references to house elves coming. <laughs> All right. so, so in closing, where can people, other than your local comic shop, where can they go to get all the tarot stuff they need to fulfill their life? This shirt right here. <laughs> Jimballant.com. Jimballant.com. I'll add that to the description so people can go there. We're the one. We, we run it. So. And if you want to you know, see us daily, we're definitely on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. But definitely Facebook every day. We're, we're always active. All right. Well, we will um, be picking up Tarot Witch of the Black Rose, number 115, coming this March which is the 19th anniversary. Um, let that, you gotta say something to get the picture. Take up, talk, talk. Oh, uh, this is the image. <laughs> <laughs> this is the cover. This yes. is the back cover to 114, showing the cover to 115. There you go, right there. There you go. And, and, and 19 is a big anniversary, apparently, because it's the anniversary that, um, Harry Potter's child decides to go to Hogwarts at the end of the book. I don't know why. Uh, could have been twenty-year anniversary because then they could. I don't know, do you, you, do, are you a Potterhead? Yes. Okay. Slitter you got to talk to get the camera. What does that have to do? With, what does that have to do with broadsword or tarot? I, I guess don't get nine, it. nineteen years. That's when um, Albus went. Is that when you're talking about Albus goes yes. to Hogwarts? Yeah. Albus Severus goes to Hogwarts 19 years later. And I was like, well, that's a very specific number to pick. And I thought that, well, perhaps it's because the 20th anniversary of Voldemort's death would be coming up while he was in school. And there's that resurrection stone that's lost in the forest. And that would be a great way to kick off another series of adventures because anniversaries mean things. 20th anniversaries mean things. He could find right. that stone and... But yeah, it has nothing to do with Terror Witch of the Black Rose. No, 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 no. In a way it does because yeah. we just came back from Edinburgh, Scotland, where Holly actually was able to sit in the same cafe where J.K. Rowling's started writing Terror Witch of the Black Rose. So that was it was really cool not only to do a book signing at Deadhead Comics and, and, and to visit Forbidden Planet Edinburgh, but we hit all the, the Harry Potter sites, which influenced the movie or influenced her to, to write the series. And you know more than I, so you jump in with the graveyard. and everything. Oh, yeah. We went to the graveyard. We saw a series of black references. We saw McGonagall's name there. Um, it was awesome, you know, just the vibe there at Edinburgh. And we saw the castle. castle. Yeah. Oh my God. I got it. <laughs> and it was really cool to sort of be in the spot where the Avengers Infinity War That's was, right. where the Vision, the Scarlet Witch was battling it out. And we were like walking down those same streets. So we're, that was awesome. These are spoilers. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun, guys. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. Um, I'm, I'm sure the fans appreciate it. And we will be looking forward to seeing 115 next month and getting our review out on that. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Always. Peace out. <laughs>
where pop culture gets blasted.